There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today, we've got a great story of playing by somebody else's rules. But first, a story from Die Ringer. I repeatedly tried telling the big box hardware store that the lawnmower waiting for pickup was not my lawnmower, but they wouldn't take no for an answer. So I think this falls into this category, but it all started with me purchasing a lawnmower at a big box hardware store. In the interest of keeping them anonymous, let's just call them Rob Lowe or Lowe's for short. I was walking in one day looking to finally purchase a new mower, and I was in luck as they had a smoking deal on a display model. Unprepared to be going home with a new mower that day, I didn't bring my truck. So I simply asked if I could set it aside and come back in a little bit with my truck. I returned maybe 30 minutes later and picked up my mower and headed home. This should be the end of the story, but weirdly, it isn't. Fast forward about two weeks later and I get a call from Lowe's informing me that my mower is ready for pickup. Confused, I replied, pardon me? So they reminded me that I ordered a mower about two weeks ago and it just arrived and is awaiting pickup. Now, I know most would have seized the opportunity right there, but I decided to be a good person and I explained to the employee that no, I didn't order a mower, I bought a floor model and set it aside to pick up later, which I did. The employee thanks me, apologizes for the confusion, and says he'll update the order. Well, one week later they call again, same thing, and I once again explain why it's not mine. They did this once a week for three weeks straight. And after the third time, I tell the wife, I swear if they call me again, I'm going to pick up my mower. At this point now, I'm just excited. I'm watching my phone, hoping they'll call. Because in my mind, I've earned it at this point, and I want my free mower. Well, lo and behold, week four hits, and guess who calls? I'm now ready to accept my free mower, but I'm also unsure how this is going to play out. I don't know if it's paid for, I don't have a receipt, it seems like a long shot. So I simply tell the employee, I'm so sorry I haven't been in yet to get it, but I got called out of town for work and just got back. And with that said, I have no idea where I put the receipt. The employee kindly replies, oh, no worries, it's paid in full, so all you need is a photo ID matching the name on the order. Perfect. I call the wife to let her know I'm picking up our new mower. She just laughs, still positive that once I get there, they won't have a mower to give me. But you'll be happy to know I pull in, tell customer service I'm here for my mower, show them my ID, and next thing you know, the guy on a tow motor is loading a brand new, in-the-box, unassembled mower into the back of my truck and off i go still have that mower today i thought about returning the original afterwards but i just got nervous it would somehow raise the alarms then i was going to sell it on the marketplace but shortly after all this i'd bought a new house and my best friend put in a lot of hours helping me move and he too had been looking for a new mower so i just gave it to him instead as a thanks for helping me i still ended up with a brand new mower for essentially 60 percent off and then was also able to pay for movers with the original one, so it was still a win-win. I genuinely tried telling them it wasn't my mower, but they insisted it was, and it would be rude to refuse their offer. 
After multiple weeks of them trying desperately to get you to come pick up your mower, do you think considering the colossal failure on their part, that you're totally justified in just taking this extra mower for free? Or is that still kinda scummy? I'd like to know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is from Adam Baum, 1945. You will come in when this warehouse opens. I used to work in a warehouse, and one day we got a new floor manager. He had this grand idea that he was going to make an already functional supply warehouse work even better. It's important to note that all of our deliveries were sent out on time, received on time, no workplace accidents other than the occasional stubbed toe or splinter from a wooden box. This place ran about as smoothly and efficiently as possible, but it wasn't good enough for the new manager. He made it a point to check on everyone, getting into things that weren't his business and things he didn't know about. One of his biggest things was making sure that everyone was at work on time. We didn't have a time clock, we just wrote down when we got in and when we left. The new manager insisted that a punch card system would work much better for us, but the owners weren't willing to invest in that. So, new manager would spend every morning watching everyone come through the front door. We had maybe 50 people who worked there, so we made sure to count who came in and when. Anyone who walked in the door past 8.05am got written up. That's when he met the old guy. Old guy had been with the company pretty much since it opened. He knew everything and everyone there. Great guy, and everyone liked him. On the second or third day of new manager watching everyone come in, he sees old guy walking in the front doors at 8.15. New manager rips into old guy telling him that he was late, that it was unacceptable, and that he was getting written up. He's yelling in the middle of the warehouse where everyone can see and hear him. Old guy tries to explain but gets told to shut up. The new manager tops this all off with an order. This warehouse opens at 8am sharp every day, 5 days a week. And I expect you at that door at 8am to begin your shift. You'll be here when the warehouse opens. Is that understood? Old guy just kinda smiles, takes the paperwork, and apologizes, stating that he'll be in tomorrow at 8am, just as he was told. The smug look on the new manager's face was picture perfect. He was certain that he had just fixed the biggest flaw in the company. The next day at 8am sharp, old guy walked through the door and simply made sure that he was seen. Then he went off into the warehouse. That day was a nightmare. Orders were backed up, trucks were waiting on paperwork, new manager is almost in tears because of the chaos. The owner comes in and starts trying to make sense of the situation with new manager and they track the paperwork issue back to old guy. New manager is upset, but owner is concerned and asked old guy if everything is okay. Old guy just tries to hide his embarrassment, saying that new manager wrote him up the day before and he was told that he had to come in at 8am, not at 4am like he always did to get all the orders and paperwork ready for the day. The day before when he walked in the door, he'd been coming in from a break. The new manager tried to backpedal saying he didn't know that it was old guy's fault. Owner knew better. After that, the new manager wasn't working at the warehouse anymore or for the company. He went off to become a new manager for someplace else. Thankfully, old guy knew what was going to happen and had most of the paperwork done for the day already, so we weren't too behind when the smoke cleared. I think this kind of details what it takes to be a good manager, and especially if you're a new manager, I think you should take some time to really understand all of the workers and the workflow. Shoot, I probably am wasting my breath, it's probably common sense, but 
There sure does seem to be plenty of stories on the subreddit of managers that are just awful like this, who make these blind orders without understanding the ramifications from shuffling people around or forcing new quotas. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from Ancient Educator 76 You better open this dang door. This happened back in the day at your local Arizona convenience store. Strange things were definitely afoot here this night. Just after sunset, it's literally like I Am Legend, where all the infected beer run specialists show up. They get pretty cocky and many think they're slick, but over time I've learned their patterns in order to prevent major loss. This kid comes in the side door, we're shaped like a golden rectangle and have a left and right side door. He walks the joint, eyeballs the place, sees the human sized stack of 18 packs of cerveza, and then lights up. I'll stop here to tell you that, for safety's sake, our doors lock with a button under the counter. Important info. He asks me if he could look at the cigarettes that are behind me, then starts to mention the higher up ones. I thought this guy might bolt, so I lock the doors, turn around and hear a suspicion confirming thud that reverberated through the happiest parts of my soul. As this man staggers up with a miraculously unscathed 18 pack, He looked at me in first panic, and then anger as the realization sets in. Now I'm probably looking panicked because I didn't initially have a plan past year. Just as I'm about to say something, the man realizes he's still holding beer, and winds up to run at the doors. Smack! He runs again while saying, You better open this dang door! Enter malicious compliance. You want me to open the door? I'll open it. I'll open it straight to heck. He makes one last charge, and I press the button to unlock the doors last second. I knew he'd get sent flying, but he flew through this, tumbled so gloriously, better than I could have planned for. The doors flew open as he literally somersaulted, and that 18-pack busted open in a spiral of cans. He stumbled, bumbled, fumbled around, grabbing the cans that didn't go off into their own little spiral spraying everywhere. All of this for a few cans of generic. Again, like I Am Legend, and it's book-to-movie adaptation, it's unclear whether I'm the good guy or not. And after they're enjoying their makeshift fountain show, you press the lock button so they can't get back in and go after you. Though I'm willing to bet if somebody was willing to try to grab and run with an 18-pack of cans, they're probably not the type that are wanting to go back and go right after the cashier, even after they were made a fool of. Our next story is from Upstairs Worker 6936. Sure, keep planning my hours instead of listening. My employer is a major international player. I work for this national branch of this company in my country, being employed here for seven years now, and I love the work and my coworkers. I went from operator to instructor to my current position of shift lead. Basically, besides normal operator work, I make sure everyone can do their job, and if not, I troubleshoot. The employer, well, it's a large company with 10,000 plus workers nationally, globally way more, cold and distant I describe it. I work in an environment with around 55 co-workers in various shifts that complement each other, designed to keep things running smoothly 24-7, all day, every day. Planner gives you your shifts 5 weeks in advance, and these are set in stone so people can plan their social life accordingly. There's peaks every day, which means a better populated shift is necessary. Currently, like most of the world, there is a worker shortage, or a shortage of good employers. Whatever way you look at it, I should be having 80 co-workers instead of 55. 
This should give you an impression of how understaffed and overworked we are. If I get sick or leave, there will be no replacement, and entire shifts will become leaderless and if a problem occurs, nobody to solve it. This department I work in is supported by around the same number of staff like administration, technical, IT, etc. that work 5 days a week from 8.30 till 5pm. No weekends, no holidays. Now this 24-7 environment is really killing my social life, my hobbies, and has me feeling like I live to work instead of working to live. So recently I decided enough is enough, time for a change. My expertise would come in handy at one of our supporting departments, so I applied there. Got rejected, but a really great manager took notice and sat me down. Together, we spoke about my expertise, and we wrote a job profile that would enhance the supporting department's collaboration with the 24-7 environment. Start date, 4 months from that conversation, because my experience and hours are not that easily replaced in the 24-7 environment due to the above-mentioned situation. My current manager and planner agreed to the start date. Furthermore, I agreed to still be helping out during office hours because I can't leave my former co-workers out to dry. Agreed was that this will not interfere with my new job and its requirements. I'll train a replacement as well. And here is where the malicious compliance comes in. Five weeks prior to my starting date, still nothing has been talked about. I see in our planning app that in the week after my starting date, I've been scheduled in the schedule as if I was still shift lead. Must be a mistake, right? I go up to my planner with this mistake and he tells me that he's been planning my shifts because he hasn't heard anything new. After a short discussion, he tells me it's not set in stone and at a later date we'll discuss how we incorporate these shifts with my new job. Big fat chance, buddy. Oh, and where's my replacement so I can train him? Answer, what replacement? Three more weeks pass and three more weeks worth of my shifts have been scheduled past my starting date. I talked to my current manager and planner about me not being able to work those shifts due to my new job at the company. I also pointed out everything we agreed upon. They said that they can't take me out of the schedule and we'll have to figure it out as we go. And I quote, When the start date is due, we can talk about how you will manage it. They fully expect me to work both jobs until the worker shortage resolves itself. Again, a quote from the manager, How about you stop being difficult, keep your mouth shut, and work with it, or it could affect your new job. That one hurt and honestly made me desperate. Seven years to get that shoved in your face. I know me leaving is a problem, but I was forthcoming and willing to still help out. Train my replacement, two months delayed start date, etc. At this point, I believe I'm living in a different reality. In what world is all of the above a good idea when I have everything in writing and you still haven't done anything to replace me or my hours? I'm not about to let my new job suffer due to this idiocracy. At this point, I'm living with the dilemma of quitting both jobs and finding a new one or suffering this situation for a while since I have a perfect job waiting for me. So I start job hunting to keep my sanity. I also started getting all the paperwork ready for malicious compliance. Agreements that were written, confirmed, signed via mail, etc. Like, this is what we agreed and signed, not two full-time jobs. I received my contract shortly after, and oh yeah, sweet baby of whatever you believe. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? 
United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Then I see it listed with a different company. You know how it is with huge companies, different entities within that company? After some digging, I find out that it certainly isn't the same holding as I'm working with now. I question my new manager about this, and all supporting departments are under a different holding than our 24-7 department for tax benefits. Basically, on paper, I'm getting a new employer. The planner and the old manager haven't accounted for this. It means that when the contract starts, the other one is void. All these scheduled shifts past the starting date of the new contract are contributed by a shift lead that's working at a different company. I'll keep my mouth shut, idiots. So whilst typing this, my start date is 6 days behind me. The fallout, I fully well realized that the 24-7 department and the supporting departments would be hurting if I decided to not work a single shift after my start date. I said earlier that I loved the work and my coworkers, so I won't drop them in the crap completely. I still wanted the people that failed my coworkers to feel the fruits of their not executed labor. So at the start date, I got a call from the old manager whilst sitting beside my new manager. Perfect. Why the heck wasn't I doing my shift that started at 6? I explained everything and suggested we meet right away and figure something out. So me? The planner and both managers sat down. The meeting went through the following stages. Anger? More anger. Subsided anger. Cries for help. Tears of sweet, sweet despair. Eventually, we agreed on four days per week and three days per week at the new job with one and two days at the old job every other week. Besides that, I would make a plan about how they should go about training my replacement and what info they need. Also, I'll work an entire four-day night shift that I actually enjoy and fits into my private life. The past few shifts at the 24-7 department that I was planned for have been a crap show of major problems that nobody was there to tackle. Corporate has been the perfect partner. Day two of my not-worked scheduled shift, a fallout occurred and lasted three hours longer than necessary. Cost them a lot of money. They are livid. My reward, a jar full of salty tears of despair. Whispers about some very angry CEO targeted at my old manager, a lovely new job, and for the time being, the best combo of both jobs. Everything came together perfectly. The company being extremely large saved my career. Honestly, I think when you're dealing with a company of that size, it gets to a point where you probably just have to start looking out for yourself. When you're working for or working with a major player company, I think the thing to keep in mind is they're looking for maximum profits pretty much by any means necessary. So if they can and you let them, they almost will certainly try to take advantage of you. Our next story is from Just Wanna Share. Try to make fake rules against me? Let me play your game my way. 
Well, during weekends and holidays, me, my cousins, and friends of us will set up a net and play volleyball like we would in a normal game. All of them play in teams for fun, but I'm a professional player on one of the higher ranking teams in my country. Besides that advantage, I stand at 6 feet 11 inches, so I never actually gave any effort. I'd pass the ball to the other side and do blocks on my tiptoes. I would serve from a low hit and try not to defend much. The teams would be picked 100% randomly by number picking. The team I would end up with would celebrate and the others would try to avoid me getting the ball all the time because with my height and experience, no one could catch me on a block. I agreed to not spike at all and mildly direct the ball as much as the game rules allow me to so the game would be pretty balanced. Everyone had fun because none of us took it seriously and we did all sorts of dumb stuff to get points and it was really all pleasant. Things are okay for months. No one's complaining about anything, until two new girls come along. They were friends of my cousins, and they played volleyball on a high-ranking team on the under-21, teens games. They were a strong influence on everyone, and they were really trying hard to win. Suddenly we counted all the net fouls, ball directing, and wrong positioning in the field as a point to the opposite team. One day the team ended up with the best of six on one side, and I was with all the weaker ones. Now, it seemed like a great time for me to actually jump, which I didn't have to until now because of my height, and mildly passing and directing the ball. The other two girls were spiking with all their might and trying to play tricks, but I'm too experienced with basic tricks, and I was able to catch almost half of their attacks in my block and win the point, which made them pretty angry. Also, having three liberos, for those who don't know, the libero in volleyball is usually a pretty short player behind the three meter line who is a specialist on defending. On the back line, we somehow kept catching up to them. It was all fun and games with no one saying anything until we passed them at the score, 16 to 15, and the sets end at 25. From this moment on, they would try to give a foul to everything I did. Oh, you touched the net. Oh, you directed the ball. Oh, you stepped on the line during serving. Six or seven times in a row, they tried to get a point from me for directing the ball. And now, frustrated, I was like, do you all prefer if I spiked it? And positive crowd noises were to be heard from both teams. The two girls had no idea that I even play volleyball, because as I said, I never actually gave any effort for small friendly games like these. I spiked the ball with 110 kilometers per hour and my vertical reach is 362 centimeters. And now pandemonium. The set ended in less than 5 minutes after my team was passing every ball on me to get a point, laughing their butts off with the privilege the opposite team gave me. I don't know why y'all complain, I'm one meter away from the net. I don't direct the ball, and my blocks are flawless now. Easy to say, they all agreed that I wouldn't get false fouled for any reason again, and the two girls stopped acting as the best ones in there, cause as I like to say, everyone in a friendly game is equal. It's all meant to be done for fun. If you're actually better and remain humble, people will respect you for this trait. Acting big maybe will satisfy your ego for a while, but there's always a bigger fish and people will always wait for you to do mistakes to get it on you. Stay humble, respect everyone. I think if you're playing a sport or a group thing and you're better than everyone just like intrinsically, whether it's your height, you're just skilled or a combination, 
I don't think there's any issue with being better than everybody, but I agree that if you're playing a friendly game, you don't want to just like, just try to dominate and make the other side have a miserable time. I don't know, maybe it's because I haven't had much experience just being like the absolute best at something. There'd be a good amount of fun to be had from just being able to at least like lead your team. But yeah, you don't want to just like hog everything and I mean basically make the whole game about you, you, you. Our next story is from Yedisa. Make that machine go faster. I work as a medical laboratory scientist in a fairly large 600 bed regional hospital. I'm the one that runs all the tests your doctor orders on your blood and other bodily fluids. Our testing areas or benches in the lab are chemistry, hematology, coagulation, urinalysis, blood bank, and microbiology, each of which has several analyzers, machines ranging from the size of a microwave to the size of a hippo, used for testing different things. I work nights so it's just a skeleton crew in the lab two of us MLS lab techs, one lab assistant, and two phlebotomists who double as specimen processors. As you can imagine, things get pretty busy with those many benches to cover for that many patients, and just the two of us to cover them. Between level 1 traumas being flown in from all over the western half of our state and the eastern half of our neighboring state, heart attacks, surgeries, drug overdoses, sepsis, meningitis, cancer, etc., it's hard to keep up. Additionally, much of the testing takes upwards of 15 to 20 minutes or more to run on the analyzer, depending on the test, and some a lot longer than that. Most of the nurses and doctors understand our constraints, and while we do get the occasional call asking when results will be ready, they mostly leave us alone. Well, last night, I had a doctor calling for the results on a hepatitis panel. These are not usually considered stat tests but this one was ordered as such, so I got it running right away. But the panel takes a long time to run, anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and 45 minutes depending on if it's reactive and reflexes to further testing. The doctor called me after I'd only had it on the analyzer for 15 minutes. I informed him it would be at least another half an hour, maybe as much as an hour and a half longer, and he told me that that was ridiculous and said it had never taken that long before. I said I was sorry, but that was the only estimate I had to give him. 35 minutes later, the doctor walked into the lab. For those who don't know, this is an extremely rare occurrence. We see nurses and CNAs all the time, but doctors are too busy to ever come down themselves unless it's a dire situation. I say, hi, how can I help you? The doctor says, are you the one I talked to on the phone earlier? Is my hepatitis ready yet? I'm not seeing it in the chart. I say, let me check. No, it looks like it's still running. The current estimate is another 30 minutes. And I'll be sure to release the results to the patient's chart as soon as it's finished. The doctor says, 30 more minutes? That's insane. You told me 30 minutes on the phone 35 minutes ago. I said, I told you at least 30 minutes and said it could be as much as an hour and a half. 30 more minutes is actually right in the middle of my original estimate. They say, this is totally unacceptable. You need to do something to make that machine go faster. I had about reached my limit with this guy. So at that point, I turned around, walked a few steps over to the analyzer in question, leaned in close where I could hear the machinery buzzing along and yelled, go faster, as loud as I could. When I turned back to the doctor, I noticed his face was an odd shade of purple as he turned around and stomped out of the lab without another word. He could write me up for unprofessionalism, 
but not without revealing himself to be a total jerk in the process. So I think I'm safe. Honestly, I'm left wondering, is this dude doing the test for himself or something? Like, why are they so at grips with getting the results right then and there? Also, you would just think that a doctor would understand and accept that tests might take a while. And our final story of the day is from CU Shulane 77 You're going to school me? Please do so. Okay, so I'm born and raised in the US, and I've always had a fascination with Ireland. I do have Irish ancestry, but my family's never been one to be vocal about it. We didn't do the stereotypical Irish-American St. Patrick's Day stuff, hang Irish flags or put Irish blessings on the wall. I guess I got my love for Ireland looking through books. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents when I was younger, and they had a set of books about different countries. I would spend all day looking through the one on Ireland. The gorgeous landscapes, the stone walls, the cottages, it all fascinated me. When I was around four, my grandparents, knowing my fascination with Ireland, gave me an illustrated book of Irish legends as a birthday gift, and it quickly became my favorite book of all. I would always ask them to read me stories from it, and my favorite was the story of Tir Nanog. As I got older, my interest in Irish history and culture never waned, and I was determined to make it over there one day, and I'm happy to say I've accomplished that goal many times over now. Many of my friends there are like family to me and we keep in close contact. Now this was over a decade ago, but one weekend, a friend and I were grabbing some lunch and drinks at a local pub, and he was asking me about places to see in Ireland because I'd just gotten back from there the previous week. I named a few spots, and this guy on the other side of me, who's old enough to be my dad, decides to butt in. He says, have you even been to Ireland? Said with a tone that suggests I have no business giving my friend advice on the subject. I say yes. He says, how many times? Once? I said twice. He says, oh, throws his hands up in mock surprise. Why don't we sit at one of the tables here and I can school you on Ireland? I smiled and happily comply by getting down from my bar stool and sitting in a chair at the low table behind us. As he walks over to the table, I say, Asquelga cart? Translates to, in Irish, right? He looks at me like I've got three heads. I decide to start throwing some of his own shade back at him and say it more slowly. Asquelga cart? Now, one of the things I did before my first trip was take Irish language classes at our local Irish cultural center. The classes were taught by a woman who was a native speaker from Connemara. I also made a lot of friends with native speakers from West Kerry and Galway for my trips there, and they helped me with my Irish. He still stands there clueless, so with casual sarcasm I say, Oh, I figured that since you were about to school me on Ireland, it would only be fitting that we have the conversation in Irish. Certainly an expert such as yourself would have no trouble with that. The look of defeat on his face was priceless. The condescending attitude quickly disappeared like the air escaping a deflating balloon. His shoulders drooped and he hung his head as he walked away without saying a word. My friend laughed his butt off and we went back to our conversation. I've made five more trips to Ireland in the years since then, and the only disappointing part of any of it is not being able to stay longer. For anybody that speaks Irish, I apologize for my absolute butchering of the words, but I wanted to try and kind of recreate it. I did my best on the fly there, but I absolutely adore this story. 
People like, oh, let me tell you all about this culture that you probably know nothing about. And you smack them before they even can sit down at the table by talking the language. You embarrassed them so badly they felt compelled to just up and walk out of there without another word. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another great compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.